0: This is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. I'm really excited today to be able to um, interview my dear friend, Sue Carr. I've known Sue for probably over a a decade, and uh, she is the executive director of 541 Eatery and Exchange. She'll tell us a little more about that in a minute. She's also my pastor, although we keep saying that we just pastor each other. But she's the pastor of The Meeting Place, which is actually the first 24-7 congregation in Canada. So, Sue, thank you for taking some time to chat with me and us and and share your story. Thank you for having me here. I'd, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about your context, maybe Hamilton, Barton Street, 541, and the meeting place? Sure, so Hamilton.
1: Hamilton, when we came to Hamilton uh, 30-something years ago, we thought of Hamilton as Canada's Sheffield. And perhaps, if you're not from England, perhaps that's like Canada's Pittsburgh. Um, Because Hamilton is a steel town, that has been going through a transition for a number of years as that particular industry ebbs and flows, more ebbs than flows. Um, and flows. Uh, and now Hamilton is still seen as a fairly blue-collar town, uh, but we have a university, we have quite a thriving healthcare sector, and so the jobs are, are changing and that's great, but it's leaving some people behind. Um, 541 itself, um, and I can tell you a little bit more about that in a minute, um, is situated in what used to be one of the thriving parts of Hamilton. Barton Street used to be the one of the economic centres uh, where people, according to one person I spoke to the other day, used to come on Saturday to walk about and to be seen to be being down there. And now Barton Street is a corridor that people drive through as fast as they can to get out of it and through the other end. But we're situated in a part of Hamilton that has been identified as having some of the poorest social determinants of health that you can find in Hamilton. So people here die earlier, have uh, lower levels of uh, education, uh, tend to be single-parent-led families, uh, have quite a large—we have quite a large population of of people who live alone for all kinds of reasons. Um, and so into this area we came uh, seeking to find a way to address food insecurity and that means a play, that means addressing people's need for food uh, because they are spending so much of their time and energy and money on everything else in their lives, their rent, Uh, just getting by takes up so much time that they have little energy left to think about how to look after their nutritional needs. And so that's what 541 seeks to do in a fairly creative way. I know that's not why we're here, but hey, I could go on for a long time talking about 541. So we're a not-for-profit that that looks and functions like a cafe that in very creative ways um, addresses people's nutritional and community needs. So that's where I am situated. And then on Sundays, we have Sunday afternoons, actually, because we don't like getting up in the mornings very much, any of us. We have a a messy church that's grown up over the last, I would say, 12, 13 years um, that started from my time as a chaplain at a place called Mission Services of Hamilton, which is uh, a not-for-profit that... uh, has a men's hostel and a women's shelter and a food bank and alcohol addiction programs. And then when I came along, they said, would I start a Sunday chapel service? Um, And we started as a little Bible study for about three or four people. And by the time I left, we'd grown into 60 or 70 people on a Sunday, outgrowing a couple of spaces. And then when I came to start up 5.41, they came too. I kept saying that perhaps people could find somewhere else and they didn't. Um, And so we have a Sunday afternoon congregation that meets at 5.41, um, many of whom wouldn't find homes in traditional churches because um, we don't perhaps have quite the lifestyles that people would be looking for. Some of us have mental illnesses. Some of that's complicated with addictions. Some of us... um, haven't got physical appearances that would lend us to fitting in in a nice church and for a long time I told them it wasn't church because clearly we weren't doing church properly uh, and other places were and I've given in and I think we are a church um, which is pretty a good thing to have decided seeing as has been our 24-7 church um, but we uh... Yeah, that's where I'm situated, that's where I find myself and um, I think this, uh, this, the two, 541 and the meeting place, uh, are really inextricable. I don't know where church begins and the cafe ends. We offer hospitality and welcome all week, and that extends to Sunday, and we welcome anybody who comes in through our doors. We'd prefer it if they didn't steal from us. If they do, we ask them not to come for a little while. But more or less, um, there's not much you can do to get thrown out of either
0: of those two places, and that's the way we like it to to be. Does that sort of answer your question a little bit? Mm -hmm. It does. I think one of my most favorite memories of you was in the congregation, a number of years ago and you were you were preaching on a sunday morning and afternoon afternoon sunday <laughs> afternoon and somebody who is very inebriated got up in front of you remember this yes. and and started sort of muttering to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west and the congregation got very restless and and uh, started saying you oh, know you need to get him uh, out of here with you know more colorful language And you just stopped everything and you looked around and you said, nobody gets kicked out of chapel. (laughs) That guy is a First Nations um, man and he
1: was praying to the Four Directions because that's his tradition. And he is currently clean and sober and working. And he comes in to see me every now and again and gives me a big hug. That is wonderful. Yes.
0: Amazing. And then this fall... You took um, your vows in the order of the mustard seed. Right. So, talk to me a little bit about your journey towards that moment. What, what was it about the order um, that, uh, and what, what was God's invitation to you into an avowed life and living by a rule of life?
1: So, I was curious because I'm an ordained pastor, um, and I've been a Christian for an large number of years um, and I was fascinated by my friends who had taken their vows a year before or who were preparing to and then two years ago I went on a pilgrimage and one of the places we visited was Hanhut which is uh, the, the place where where the 24-7 prayer movement got its inspiration and perhaps where the Spirit moved people um, to to begin this thing. And I was struck by the ordinariness
0: of it all. Um, The ordinariness of Hernhut.
1: Yeah, that it was a small, no-name place. And Nazareth was a small, no-name place. And Hamilton is a bit of a bigger, but it's pretty much a no-name place. I bet most of you haven't heard of it. Um, And yet God is clearly moving here in Hamilton just as he's moved in all of these other little places and I thought huh think I want to be part of that and I thought well that's ridiculous you're ordained you you know you're already a Christian you've been doing the things you're doing for ages and I thought yes but I think along with a lot of other people I have a longing to belong to something that's tangible that I can look at especially at times when, you know, the ground seems to be shifting beneath your feet a little bit. I wanted to have folks around me here um, that that I am journeying alongside with, that I undertake to care for and to hold accountable, and they will do the same for me. And that was my initial thinking, I think, around the Order of the Master Seed and becoming part of it. And as I found out more about it and spent the year with a small cohort. We had two cohorts um, and, and together we've made quite a large group now. But as I journeyed with, with these people that I knew quite well anyway but became much more closely uh, affectionate towards over the year, um, I think I really began to see the value in in hearing, in a context where I wasn't the pastor, where I wasn't expected to be a leader, where I could just be me. Um, I could hear other people's struggles. I could give voice to my own. I could share things that were working for me and things that definitely aren't. We read some books that I, some of them we, I thought, yes. And some of them I thought, I don't even know why we're reading this book. This, you know, it's just not speaking to me at all. And it was all okay. And what I'm seeing now is it's a constant reminder, I think, a constant calling forward out of what already God is doing within me and within my friends uh, in in the order locally. Um, Yeah, I suppose that's the base for me. Um, It's a reminder for the things that I don't pay much attention to. Um, It's a reminder that there are parts of my Christian life that somehow I sort of figure will just take care of themselves but if you ignore them they don't and then that's part of the life that God has for me that I'm not that I'm not seeking out and developing so it's just a constant reminder to me I guess that there's more there's more there's more you can you can have
0: more Um, so yeah I think that's some of it (laughs) (laughs) more will be revealed yeah I think so. It's definitely an unfolding. So let's talk about sort of the six practices. You know, we, you know there are three vows in the order to be true to Christ, to be kind to people, to take the gospel to the nations. But I want, I want to talk with you a little bit about maybe two of your favorite practices of, of the six. And so we're talking about prayer, learning, hospitality, mercy, and justice mission and creativity. Those are kind of the container practices that we're living into in the order. Um, There probably are one or two of those that that God has kind of built into your life and your context in a robust way. There's been invitations from God into a life that is um, the life of Jesus being demonstrated through you and through the work of your hands, particularly in some of those practices. So do you want to talk about one or two of those and what that mm-hmm. looks like for you? Well first of all I think what I'd say is that there
1: are some obvious ones that that I identify with and find very easy and I, th- I love that because I don't have to pretend or to become something that I'm not but I would also say that there are some things that, that that I am challenged to find out more about or to develop in my life and for me perhaps one of them would be prayer. I mean I, I pray Quite a lot actually, but I'm not very good at contemplative prayer. I I'm a fidgeter, and 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 sitting and contemplating things, I tend to fall asleep, which I know some people say is fine, but it always makes me feel a bit bad. Anyway, but so I guess, I guess yes, I would say that there are some things that are very me, that this that this calls out and recognizes and call, and challenges me to uh, go deeper further up and was it further, further up, up and, and farther in, in. <laughs> yes that's right um, um so i think for me those would be the the justice the mercy the the uh, all the things that fit well into what i've done with the last 15 20 years of my life so starting off in chaplaincy in a hospital and then working in chaplaincy in an organization that um, served some of the poorest folks in our community, and now running this place where I'm hoping that we're taking the the best that we, that I've learned and leaving behind some of the, the less good things. So, so I guess, um, for whatever reason, I don't find it very difficult to... Be around to be around or to know well or to care for people that aren't very easy to to get to know um, if that makes sense um, i think I think that that Jesus is going to ask us the names of the people who are poor that we knew they're not just a people group they're not just um, Pictures in a in a magazine or on the on the computer screen. I think he's going to say, "Who did you know? Who did you sit down and share a meal with? Who did you try to ignore the cockroaches dropping off their clothes while you sat and had coffee with them? Um, who who did you know that was in jail and is now out? Who did you visit in jail? Who are their names?" And I guess what I'm doing is to work at knowing their names. Mm. And the stories that go with them, and and actually, I find it to be the most uh, exciting and satisfying, and uh, also challenging because it is um, thing that I do, but I can't imagine doing or being
0: anything else. Um, yeah, wonderful. Let, let's. Um, you almost want to kind of pause and let that sink in. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about hospitality, can we, a little bit? It's great on paper. It's great on paper. What I want to do for our listeners is I want you to paint us a picture. So if I open the door to 541 and I walk in, what am I going to see? Okay,
1: well, if you open the door, you'll see a big, airy space that's got... It's an old bank building built in 1907. It's got great big, tall windows. It's got exposed brick. It's got a terrazzo and wood floor that uh, follows the lines of the old wickets where people came up and took their money out of. We, we know a few people locally who remember it as a bank. Um, you'd see a counter, a beautiful blue painted counter at one end and you'd see a space with tables in and the tables are all different sizes. There's one great big harvest table then that, that seats about 12 maybe we have smaller tables for four and smaller tables even smaller than that for two and when people come in they just sit wherever and if you're from Europe that's totally normal and if you're from North America that's really weird because in North America we sit at little tables apart from each other and you only speak to the people you came in with and so people who come into 541 find themselves having conversations folks with folks whom they don't know or don't know yet and I constantly have customers who say I met this person and then they'll fill in the blanks and and I think that people are, are have had to learn to be a little bit brave because it's not a very North American thing to do to start up a conversation with somebody that you don't know but it happens it happens all the time you'll see if you come in you'll see people who are quite nicely dressed um, who've come in with their with their friends for lunch or for a coffee um, and then you'll see somebody come in and they'll maybe be dragging a shopping trolley with all their things in it which drives me a bit bonkers because their things probably have bugs in them but we can't ask them to leave their stuff outside because it's all the stuff they've got and it'll get stolen um, so you know they bring their stuff in and you think okay I hope this is going to be alright and they'll be a bit raggedy um, they they may not be um, very well clothed um, they may be uh, wearing clothes that um, you would look sideways at, and we're on the we're on the uh, sex trade stroll. So we have street sisters who come in um, because they know we're a safe space because they know that here they can sit and just recover from whatever they need to recover from. So there is a massive mix. We have professional people coming in for lunch. We have students. We have young mums bringing in their babies. Um, and there is this, you would might say it was an unholy mix, but I actually think it's um, a, a holy mix of people who just want a decent coffee and something to eat in a place that welcomes them. And uh, most of the time,
0: it works just fine. And some of the time, it doesn't. And that's okay. Talk to us about the buttons and how you guys have created a way for the community to feed the community. So we
1: make the food accessible two ways. One is that we keep our prices low um, on purpose so we, we need to have a lot of volunteers. We have about 200 volunteers in the course of a week who come and help us prepare and serve and clean and um, make our, fo- our customers welcome and so our prices are quite low anyway. And then we have a pay it forward system that uses buttons. So on the counter there are two big glass pickle jars and one has a lot of buttons, usually, and one has not so many, usually. And the one that has a lot of buttons um, uh, is ready to, uh, they're ready to buy. So each button costs a dollar and you give us a buck, a dollar, and we say thank you and you take the button from the full jar and you put it in the empty jar and that then becomes currency and anybody, you could come in if you've gotten your wallet and use up to five buttons a day towards and that's five dollars a day towards anything on the menu. And that's enough for a meal and a coffee, a simple meal and a coffee. And um the only restrictions we have is for unaccompanied kids, we say no pop and only one treat, because we have homemade cookies that are delicious and we say you can have one, that's enough. And other than that, so ten tends to be what kids will come in and get a grilled cheese and a chocolate milk or um, some variation or some fruit and their grilled cheese they take a lot of time working out how to spend their money um, yeah so that works pretty well and we reckon that on an average month we take in about a quarter of our sales our button sales and that works out to between twelve and $14,000 a month that are donated Um, and then used by the community so we're just providing a place for the community to take care of itself and they can see it absolutely as soon as they walk in if you put a dollar if you put a button in the jar somebody will be right behind you in the lineup and they'll take that button out put it back in the the other jar again and say I'll have a coffee I was there for breakfast this morning and there were people having full breakfast which is eggs and bacon and um, home fried potatoes and a coffee and yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of cool.
0: It works. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about hospitality in your home as well. So we can talk about hospitality on the job or in the workplace. But but my experience of you, your hospitality, comes out of a place deep inside of you, and so it manifests itself in all kinds of ways in your life. So what does it look like on the home front for you? Well, first of all,
1: I would say that being called to practice hospitality and doing it are absolutely fine but but I think people think that you have to be very saintly to do it and I know that you don't because I'm no saint at least not when it comes to hospitality I value it I think it's I think it's a a sign of the kingdom I think that God is infinitely hospitable to us and so as a response to that we not only should but but we experience what it's like for God to offer hospitality to us when we offer hospitality to other people. So it's an incarnational ministry, like all of them. Um, so so we have a, a big house. Um, we've lived in it since we came to Canada. And over the years, we've had various folks staying with us. Actually, before, I guess, in Canada, we came to Canada, we we had some people staying with us in our much smaller house in England, Um, but we've had newly arrived refugees who have stayed with us over the years. We've had um, um, missionary folks who come back on on furlough and spend that time with us. Um, We have the interns, the GoHop interns. We haven't talked about that, but you can explain to them what that is. We have a group of, of folks who come every other Monday, to meet in our place because uh it's big enough and they're learning about living missionally um yeah we lend our we have another little place up north that that we lend out to people um who just need a place to be so when we're not there it's usually got somebody staying in it um partly because these are all things that are lent to us they're places that are lent to us not for us but to be used, I mean the, the biggest words, one of the two littlest words that, that I think are really important in the Bible is so that, in order to, in order so. We have these things in order to show God's generosity to to other people. They're just lent to us. And if they're lent to us, I think we're going to be asked to give an account of how we use them, just like Jesus' parable. Uh, so so that's my husband's and, and I have that, have that understanding. It sounds great and holy. Let me tell you, when you've gone to bed the the night night before because you Netflix binged and your home visitors or, or guests are getting up at six for some inexplicable reason on a Sunday morning, you feel less than hospitable. At least I do. Um, or when, I don't know, something gets broken at home, and you just have to say, oh, well, it's just a thing, and it is just a thing, and then half of you thinks, yes, but it didn't need to get broken, but you just have to, it's a constant growth thing, right, so I have to, I think my Catholic friends would say, I have to offer it up, I have to, I have to say, okay, Lord, this is as good as as I can be, it's not very good, take this, this is the best effort today that I've got for you, but, but I will do it anyway, even if, even if it sucks sometimes, even if it's not always easy, because I know it's the right thing to do because I know that you always offered
0: hospitality to me. That makes sense? That makes good sense. Yeah. Last question. I know we're running out of time. We could talk for hours, but we're going we're gonna to wrap it up in a moment. Tell me sort of your favorite story around hospitality where, where you just feel like you, you felt the sweetness of it, you saw the Lord's goodness and his presence in it um is there something you'd like to share
1: well i can tell you the the last time that joe steinke visited us from kansas i was supposed i was preaching. they won't know who joe steinke they is they won't know who's is. cool dude from kansas joe if you're listening to this that would be you and he's he was visiting us because as part of the process of embrace for becoming an a twenty four seven congregation and the last time he came he preached and this time I thought you know what well, I'd better preach because otherwise you know he might think I'm a he might I might be awful and 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 he might change his mind I don't want to do this under false pretenses so I was setting up and and you know you want to impress you want your congregation to be a bit sort of shiny for that for that visit and he he as I'm opening up I don't know what it was but every wonky person in my congregation walked in all of them and I looked around and I thought oh all right and some of them I knew would probably leave halfway through the service because that's what they do and some of them would be talking and because that's what they do and and some of them would be quite demanding because that's who they are and I just thought oh lord could you could it could it be sort of a shiny day could it be a you know could we look impressive today and, and, and I thought, oh, I'm sorry, you know, because really that, was, that wasn't anything about anything else except my ego. And, and uh, by the time church started, and I don't even remember who was leading us in worship, but I remember looking around and seeing worship happening in the space where in the week we sell food and coffee um, and thinking, oh, my goodness, here is this um, congregation who is singing and worshipping and I don't know if they were shiny to anybody else but I thought they were pretty shiny uh, because the glory of the spirit was just oh excuse me was just uh there and we someone went all right I, I think Joe never said anything so I think it was all right um but I remember thinking that this place that we open for welcome, um, maybe to anybody else, would just look a bit nutsy, a bit crazy, a bit full of people who should be on some meds, perhaps, and who that week clearly weren't. Um, but, but but the worship was real. The spirit was tangible. The prayer that our congregation led us into and the children who led us into praying, uh, were just real and authentic. Nobody pretended to be anything they weren't. That was pretty awesome. Mm. Because it was safe, because it was a place where they could be who they are without putting on a face for somebody else. What's the point in putting on a face? Because God, as we said this Sunday, God sees us in our dark, hidden, secret places and loves us anyway. And that was a congregational member that said that, one of our local people so yeah I suppose my Sunday services are the times when I see our hospitality and welcome the most because I don't think to a large part many of our folks would be able to be who they are in another setting and that's not saying anything great about us it's just the reality of where we find ourselves in the western world and doing church we've made it a place where you have to follow rules follow expectations do things in particular ways and an awful lot of the world can't do that and they're still made in god's image and that
0: sunday they were doing it thank you sue for uh, just sharing from your heart and from your life and um can you pray a prayer for our listeners as we go, could you pray for us? Sure, sure. You didn't ask me about that in advance, but yes, I
1: can do that. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are a hospitable God, that you are a God of justice and mercy, and that all those things are made perfect in you. Father, forgive us for all the times when we ignore the call on our hearts forgive us for the times when we pass by on the other side Father help us help us to see clearly help us to actually hear your word and act upon it help us to be bold to love deeply and to care well Father, today help us to learn the name of somebody who is other, the name of somebody who we wouldn't normally sit next to. Help us to welcome people into your kingdom.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, You can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we seek to follow his invitations to be true, to be kind, and to go.